morning. How's everybody today? Good, good. Uh, as you can tell, we are a little light on people. We have uh, a good portion of our group is in California um, at a conference there, and uh, our pastor is actually speaking this morning, and if you can remind, remember him, he's uh, not feeling too well, so uh, if you can be praying for him, he'll be speaking after us because they're a few hours behind. Uh, a couple of things, though, before we jump in today. First of all, I'm Scott. I'm just a servant here at Relevant, and hopefully when you walked in, you got a few things, and I just want you to grab them and fill them out to the best of your ability. Uh, connection card, and then we'll take up offering later, and then if you want to pull out, we've got some teaching notes. You can grab those, and uh, we'll use those here in a few minutes. Uh, today's sermon is how to pray. And so I was thinking all week, like, I've got to have this great opening story on prayer. And because it's been a while since I've had the privilege of speaking, and Musa texted me two weeks ago, and he said, what church was it that you used to go to? And so I sent him a message back, and uh, he's like, did you ever preach there? And I said, yeah, a couple of times. And so then about 20 minutes later, I get a text back said, hey, can you preach? And I said, what do you want me to preach about? He said, how about prayer? I said, okay. And then he's like, I like that story that you told about, and it, I wasn't going to include it today, but I'll do it briefly. Uh, it was about a, a guy that had a youth group, and he started out with five kids, and they uh, were just praying that God would grow their group. And I met him at a conference that I was at, and the following year, come back to talk to him, and he's got 100 kids at his group. All through prayer. He just had his kids come after school every day, and he's like, these five kids, let's just pray that God grows us. And they went from five to 100 in a year. And so he said, how about you talk on prayer? And I said, well, you, first of all, I know you've been stalking me, and you've gone back and you've listened to these like, hey, you know, this is what I have to do. I've got I've to search out my, my, my speakers. And so uh, I said, sure, I'll talk, and I'll talk on prayer. And so we're going to talk about effective prayer today. Um, and so the story that I came up with, I was talking to my wife, Kim, the other day, and uh, I've had a pretty good stretch of time here in the last five years that have, has kind of changed my life dramatically. And uh, about going on three years ago now, God really prompted me that I needed to write a blog. I don't write. So I said, you know, I'm kind of questioning whether or not I'm supposed to do this or not. And what am I doing it for? And he said, you know, he just kind of just kept hitting me. Every time I'm praying about it, he's hitting me like, you got to do it. Just, po you know, do something, post it out on Facebook. You know, this, this is something you need to do. And so I finally did and just praying that, okay, obviously this is for somebody. This has got to be for somebody. This is my story. Um, I, I titled it Faithful. And basically it boiled down to is that um, I'd been a youth pastor at a church and uh, my wife had been unfaithful with another um, pastor in the church, and they had taken off. And that was um, the story I was writing. Well, needless to say, uh, I posted it just hoping that maybe somebody would read it and get something from it. And lo and behold, at, in the middle of the night in Kalamazoo, a friend of mine is sitting at lunch because she's a nurse, and she's reading this, and she's saying, my goodness, I can't believe this is what's, you know, what's happened in Scott's life. And this lovely lady over here, uh, she's like, what are you talking about? And she reads the blog, and 
like, oh, this hat sign seems kind of interesting. And needless to say, uh, now, two and a half years later, we've been, we're married, and I didn't realize that my prayer was that God would impact that with somebody, and that person that was going to impact was me and her, so at least it hit two people, that that blog that I put out there introduced me to my lovely wife, and I'm just, I've been blessed. So, uh, today we're going to jump in and talk about how effective prayer can really revolutionize our life. And we're going to go old school today. We're going to be only in the Old Testament. I've got notes, not a tablet, so it's just going to be just bare bones, kind of pulling it back a little bit. Uh, We're going to be in Nehemiah. Oh, see, I wrote it down, page 255, so there you go. If you've got the Bibles, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We can get those to you. Um, We're going to start there. A little background on Nehemiah and why I chose this passage. I didn't plan on choosing this passage. Uh, It was, again, something that God just put on me, and I didn't realize that Nehemiah really had anything to do with prayer. And I thought, well, I'll just talk about the Lord's Prayer. That makes it easy. That's simple. And for some reason, Nehemiah just kept popping into my head, so I go and I open it up, and lo and behold, the first chapter is Nehemiah praying. And... I thought Nehemiah is just a book about building a wall. And I thought that's probably in our country right now, building a wall is kind of controversial. And so this is probably not a book that we want to discuss. But then I I just realized that this is a a book on prayer, really. Nehemiah prays something like ten times in this short, short book. And it's over everything. And so... Kind of to set the stage, Nehemiah uh, is a man, he's a cupbearer for the king in Persia. And as he uh, kind of gets a report from friends of what's gone on in his home city of Jerusalem, he really feels like God's calling him to go back there and help rebuild this city. He... uh, And where prayer falls in here is that he works for the king, King Artaxerxes. And this king, in the previous book of Ezra, has said, stop everything in Jerusalem. I don't want them to build anything. They're going to become a power again, and I don't want that coming against me. And Nehemiah, who works for this king, has to go and talk to the king about letting him free to go rebuild this city that the king has already said he doesn't want rebuilt. Um, We're going to just read through it, uh, the passage here um, in Nehemiah 1. We'll start in verse 4, just to set the the stage, as he says there, as soon as I heard these words, and these words are that this city is in ruins. Back in those days, the city was surrounded by walls, and that was their protection. And he's had friends that have come and said, it's all destroyed. It's been, the gates have been burnt down to the ground. Uh, as he heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive 
and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servant, your servant, confessing the sin of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them through, though you are dispersed to be under the farthest skies, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make name, to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. And with that, we're going to pull out four things that lead us to effective having an effective prayer life. And if you want to take out your teaching sheets, we'll, we'll hit the first one here. Uh, effective prayer begins with praise and thanksgiving. Praise and thanksgiving. Uh, if you look in the, the, fir- the, I think it's the second verse we read there, it says, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and steadfast love with those who love him. Nehemiah starts out, and, and we, refra- we kind of have to frame our mind as we go to God. You are awesome, and we're talking to the creator of the universe. And when we look at God that way, not just just God who's our buddy, but we look at him with reverence and awe, it kind of changes how we pray. And so we should open up our prayer with how great God is, because it does. It changes our mindset. Uh, And the crazy thing is, is that in Daniel, it says almost the exact same thing. Oh, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. It's the exact same, almost word for word, the same as Nehemiah. And then if you go into the New Testament and you look at the Lord's Prayer, it's our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Like, again, God, you're awesome. And this was something when I was younger I didn't really think too much about. Uh, We used to have sharing time at church. We'd have a Sunday night service, and this was a time where people could share, and people would get up and offer prayer requests, and there would be a couple of these, just, I don't know, they were old guys. And they would stand up and pray. And they had all this flowery language that they would use. And it was, to me, I'm like, just get on with it. Come on, what are we doing? But they're talking like, oh, Lord. And just wor- just all of these big words. And I didn't realize that they're here. They're kind of setting the stage for what their, their requests are going to be. And they want to be in line with who God is and who they're talking to. And so these guys would stand up and pray. And it would go on for, it seemed like, ever. But it was because they wanted to just align themselves with with the power of God and who he is. When, um, and when that happens, we can have our hearts in the right place. For who, uh, for who we're talking to and what um, we're asking. 
Um, the next one, uh, effective prayer should have a time of repentance. This is difficult. This is tough. Uh, even this week, um, as I was working through this message, it was like the Holy Spirit was just hitting me. Hey, when was the last time you really spent some time in tension? And I'll tell you, if you ever have a chance to speak, take it. Because you will get so much more out of it than what you're given. And the Holy Spirit just said, we need to have a little bit of time here. And so I was like, Lord, just reveal to me sin that's in my life that I need to get rid of. And it's not pleasant. And it's not something we want to um, want to do. But if you look in Nehemiah here, it says, uh, starting in verse 6, I believe. <coughs> find it. Kind of the second part of the verse says, uh, Confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Nehemiah, he was praising God. That led into a time of confession where he's saying, we have sinned against you. I personally have sinned against you. We've been a corrupt people. And that's part of the reason they have been exiled out of Jerusalem. And they're starting to return. This has been, honestly, uh, Nehemiah is coming in about 100 years into people starting to come back to Jerusalem. And he's still uh, repenting for his people's sin as well as his own. Um, and when we realize how great God is and how little we are in comparison to him, it should bring us to repentance. It should bring us to where our heart breaks for him, for the sin that we've committed against him. And, and knowing that our only link to God is through the blood, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. In Psalm 51, 2, uh, David, if you remember, uh, he had some issues. We've talked about this here a few weeks ago, this passage. Uh, but this verse right here, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. We truly feel free when we confess sin. <clears throat> True freedom comes from just getting rid of it. Uh, when I was in college, freshman in college, they had this uh, program <clears throat> or this conference, I should say. It's called Freedom in Christ. And said, all right, I'll go. I'll sign up, I'll go. And I didn't realize really what I was getting myself into. But it led up to a time where we were handed a, a book. I mean, it was a book. And basically every possible sin that you could have committed in your life, it seemed like, was in that. And we just spent hours seeking the Holy Spirit, that he would reveal sin that we have and just confessing it to him. And I will say this. When we were done, the leader of the conference said, uh, okay, I want you to just tell me what's on your mind right now. Nothing. Nothing. 
complete and total clarity. I didn't have a thought. It was incredible. But you want to know what it was? It was that complete freedom from guilt, from shame, from sin. When we, and when we get to that point, we know. We know exactly what God wants us after. And that's our next point. Uh, effective prayer will lead us to make the right request. Um, we've, we've praised God. We've confessed sin. This will lead us into making uh, the right request. And we won't read all of it, but if you look in um, Nehemiah there, uh, in verse 8, he starts out, says, remember the words that you commanded your servant Moses. And you can read the rest. We've already read it. But Nehemiah is saying, Lord, remember what you promised us. Remember the covenant that you had. Please keep it. Please honor that. And I have to believe that Nehemiah, it says that he'd been fasting and praying for days before it came to this. And I have to believe that Nehemiah is saying, all right, Lord, I know what you want me to do. But will you please remember the promise you made to us, your people? When I graduated high school, there was this popular book. I don't know if any of you know of it, but it was called The Prayer of Jabez. Has anybody heard of the book? Okay. Um, it was kind of this competition for us at graduation parties to see how many copies of that book you were going to get. Honestly, I think I got four copies from people. You know, they give you a graduation present. Here, here's your prayer of Jabez book. Prayer of Jabez. And I had one friend, I think, that got 700 copies of it. So evidently they really use them. But um, it w- I just reminded of this, like our request. And so I looked, I looked up Jabez in the Bible this week, and I, for some reason that was on my mind, and it's in First Chronicles, and actually this is a misprint, so it's actually 410, that's my fault, I gave this to Musa with 49 being there, but uh, in the message it says, Jabez prayed to God of, uh, to the God of Israel, bless me, oh bless me, give me land, large tracts of land, and provide your personal protection, don't let evil hurt me. God gave him what he asked for. Jabez is mentioned in two verses of the Bible, 4.9 and 4.10. And he's had books written about him. Why? Because we all would like, all would like to be able to just ask God for something and get it. Wouldn't that be nice to be like, Lord, I need this, boom, you got it. And he doesn't ask for just like, hey, Lord, I just, can I just have a great day at work or a good day at school? That's not what he's asking. He said, give me a bunch of land, which basically in those days meant make me rich, right? And then because you've made me rich, I could use your protection because people are going to be coming after me. And God gave him what he asked for. What are we asking for? Bruce Wilkinson says this, says, as God's chosen, blessed sons and daughters, 
listen to this right here. We are expected to attempt something large enough that failure is guaranteed unless God steps in. What is it that we're doing in our life? What are we asking God for that we are guaranteed to fail unless God steps in? How big is your faith? We've been, this is kind of a break from a series we've been in here at church called We Will Run. But I believe it ties in pretty well because as a body, we are running to Jesus as well as running to this community to reach people. And it is guaranteed, this church is guaranteed to fail if God's not in it. So this is big. And we are coming to a big fall kickoff. And we're looking for people to sign on and say, I'm going to be part of that. And that could be a big request. That could be what you're asking God for. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do that, if I'm a part of it, no big deal, but if you're not a part of it, Lord, it's done. What in your life are you asking? That if God's not a part of it, it's done. Jabez, he went big. And evidently, he was at a point in his life that God granted him what he was asking for. The final um, thing with effective prayer is that effective prayer calls us to action. So many times we just want to be uh, people that sit around and really don't do it. Well, yeah, you know, we tell somebody, we see somebody at church, and they say, oh, you know, this is going on. Oh, I'll pray for you. Or we drive past somebody on the street, and we're like, I'll pray for them. But effective prayer calls us to action. If we look at Nehemiah, um, verse 11 says, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servant who delight to fear your name. Here it is. And give success your, to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, this man being the king. He's been spending so much time in prayer. And now, this day, he's going to stand before the king. Remember, the king that does not want to see this city rebuilt. At least he didn't. And if you jump down to, uh, I think it's Nehemiah 2, 5, I believe it is right there. It says, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him the time. got what he asked for and he went and did it. What's your next step? Hopefully we, as we build our prayer life, it calls us to action. 
calls us to something bigger. Here at church, maybe maybe this is your first time here and your next step is just to say, ah, I just need to find out more information. Maybe you've been coming for a few weeks and your next step is, I need to volunteer. Because the time for sitting around doing nothing is done. We're called to action. Um, Sometimes you'll see my kids running around here. I've got a set of twins, and they were born premature. And they were both about uh, just over three pounds each. So literally they could fit in, you know, each one in the palm of my hand. And the night they were born, I'd gone into the NICU because they'd spent about a month in the hospital. And I, I asked the nurses, I'm like, can I just hold them? And they're like, oh, absolutely. You know, this is great. Yes, yes, absolutely. Hold them. So I grab out Amity, who's my daughter, and hold her for a while. And then I stick her back in the incubator. And then I get my son Colton, and I'm holding him. And if you've ever been in there, they're hooked up to all kinds of stuff. And as I'm holding him, all this stuff that he's hooked up to starts going crazy. Everything, just noises. And, of course, me, I have no idea what's going on, and I start freaking out, and the nurse kind of just calmly walks over to me, and she's like, hey, is there something? I'm like, I'm like, it appears as though he stopped breathing. And she's like, oh, okay. So she's just like stimulate him a little bit, like rub his face or his chest or something. Then she's like, he just forgot. I'm like, he forgot to breathe? And she said, well, he's, his brain hasn't developed enough to always remind him that he's supposed to do that because he's early. And I was like, okay. So sure enough, you know, I just like started rubbing his face. Every, all the noises stopped and he was perfectly fine. But I thought about our lives. We come and we sit in the church pew or the church the chair and we listen to a message and we go home and we enjoy our week and then we come back and we sit in the same chair and we listen to a message, oh, that was good, and then we go home. And it's like we've just become lethargic Christians who just go through the motions and we're actually not dead, but we're just forgetting what we're supposed to be doing. Because prayer calls us to action. Uh, Exodus 14, verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Okay, so if you remember this story, the Israelites are leaving Egypt. The Egyptians are chasing after them. They kind of run into this river. And they're like, Moses, what are we supposed to do? And Moses is crying out to God saying, oh, what am I supposed to do? And, he's, and basically, God tells him, stop praying and let's go. It's time to move. I'm going to open the sea for you. You walk through, but you got to take the steps. And one version of the Bible says, get moving. God told him, get moving. And so today, I just want to close up with, are we moving? Are we going? Because our prayer life should lead us to get moving. Not to just sit 
And I'm not knocking prayer by any means. I'm saying that prayer leads to faith. The Bible says faith without works is dead. So we should be praying that God would call us to take him a step. Whatever it may be. to get motivated in this church we have so many things to be praying about because myself muta many people here believe that this place is about to explode and as we pray that should lead you to something alex i thought it was awesome that you're up here singing today that's a step that's good because you went from back here playing to I'll be up there and play. That's cool. That's taking a step. What step are you going to take? Maybe your step is just to start praying. Maybe you've not done that yet. Maybe your first step is to, to say, I don't know who this Jesus guy is, but I'm going to find out who he is. But take a step. Our church, we're trying to get a core group of 35 to 50 adults to go into a launch here in a few weeks of our fall kickoff. I don't think they're in there today, but normally we've got these pants. But if you want to sign on to that, come talk to me, come talk to Rhonda, come talk to some of us. That could be your step. I want to be part of that. I want to be part of what they're doing here. With doing a big fall kickoff, it takes resources. Maybe God's saying, you need to cut a check to the church. Maybe that's what you're supposed to do. Maybe you have a gift that God has granted you that you need to be using here. And you just need to tell somebody like, hey, I can sing. Or I can teach. Or I'm great with kids. That could be your step. But do it through the lens of prayer and where God leads you. Let's close in prayer. Father, we are a grateful people for who you are. And Lord, I just pray that as this church, we believe, Lord, that you are moving in such a way here that it is just going to take off. And I just pray that that those here today might sign on board and say, yeah, I want to go. I want to follow where God's leading and where you're working. So I just pray, Father, that you would uh, direct each person here to take the path that you've called them to. That you would open up their hearts and their minds to know exactly what it is you want for them, Lord. And then that they would take a step 